Clinical Disclaimer This podcast is focused on education and entertainment. While we love to help and teach, it is not meant to be used as a replacement for clinical services. If you are experiencing significant relationship issues or major concerns in your sexual, physical, or mental health, please seek the services of a professional provider near you. where we have sexual conversation to help build a happier nation. I'm Dr. Tara Jansen, licensed psychologist and certified sex therapist. And I'm Jeremiah James, and I'm just a guy who likes talking about sex. Welcome back from vacation, Doc. Yeah. Thank you. You too. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a good time? I had a great time. I had a great time. I missed you, though. To say I missed you. So hard to be away. But we're still not live together in the studio, and I hate it. I hate it. Welcome back to the University of Pleasure, folks. We were away for the past week on our vacations. We hope you all had wonderful vacations or the best that you could uh, in these crazy times. Um, We would like to, again, always put a thank you out to those frontline workers out there who are taking care of us and helping to keep us healthy. Uh, Yet at the same time, uh, things have become even more difficult recently in cities across America. And uh, we just wanted to say that we hope everyone is safe in these trying times. And, you know, we have the doc here with us who I know is, I'm sure, talking to many of her clients and and, uh, dealing with a lot of the fear and difficulty of, you know, this divide that seems to continue to grow across the country. And I just wanted to say, as Jeremiah James, I hope you are all safe and well, and that, uh, you know, we stand by and support everyone out there to make sure that their voices are heard uh, in this difficult, difficult time. And uh, we're thinking about everybody out there who is struggling. Would you agree with that, Doc? Yeah, I mean, I I think that it's a it's a really difficult time and <laughs> for everybody for a variety of reasons and no matter where people stand on issues i think there's a lot of a lot of distress a lot of chaos and that's really hard to adjust to and you know every day i'm amazed by people because i i see resilience and i see a willingness to keep just <laughs> moving forward and trying to find ways and i'm you know even here in my own uh, community just always blown away by uh, the kindness and the willingness of other people to help, um, you know, make changes and make important uh, differences in our in our society. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to see. Absolutely. Even in troubling times. Absolutely. And, you know, at the University of Pleasure, one thing we always uh, try to hammer home is just trying to be good humans to one another. And uh, in these difficult times, we just kind of want to reiterate that one more time. Try to just be good humans. Try to put yourself in other people's shoes and hear each other and just be kind and uh, come from a place of love and respect always. And hopefully uh, as time goes on, um, we will find a way to heal this divide in our nation that so desperately needs healing. And, and everybody, hopefully you are staying home and safe. Um, and uh, so we just really wanted to kind of put that out there to everybody. So thanks, Doc. Thank you for saying that. Absolutely. 
So we are going to jump in and do some topics today um, because we still need a little bit of levity in difficult times. I think, would you agree, Doc? I do. I think levity can be very helpful. I also think it's nice, you know, to find some pleasure. (laughs) These are hard times and people are working through a lot of stuff and you know, you got to take breaks from it. You got to take breaks. I mean, people are doing some really important stuff right now and talking about some really important stuff. But at the same time, uh, you know, balance is important because otherwise you don't have enough gas in the tank to keep fighting the fights you're fighting. So uh, pleasure's a great way to do that. There it is. There it is. So here is our first topic. Back from vacation. Renewed, ready to rock and roll to University of Pleasure. Here we go. Weeknight sex. Get it in where you can fit it in. Doc. I like weekend sex. I like morning sex. I like afternoon sex. I like Sunday, Saturday sex. I like sex. All right. So why is this? Is there an airplane flying like directly over my house, like one foot above my windowsill? I'm in my studio, for God's sake. Can you hear that? I guess. <laughs> Is it going to land on my roof? (laughs) I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. They're coming coming for you, Jeremiah. I just would like to make it very clear. I am in a soundproof booth, and that airplane was coming through my soundproof booth. Um, And it seems to be doing circles. I don't know if the cops are coming for me or something. But uh, anyway, let's get back to this topic, Doc. I'm not going to cut that out. Yeah, seriously, before they bust through my windows. Okay, as I was saying, I like sex at any time of the day, but let's talk about why it's important for weeknight sex. Yeah, well, I think in general, like, weeknight sex, right, is something, um, it's just more of a topic that I like to talk about because, you know, if people are are having busy lives and especially if people are doing like a nine to five situation or um, some pretty heavy adulting, like heavy adulting, right? Like they got kids, they're working full-time jobs. Um, You know, it is pretty hard to have a lot of energy or time left at the end of the day. And so there's a lot of people out there that really struggle to, you know, find time or space to be sexual uh, on the weeknight. Yeah. So they might have to wait till the weekend or some people are maybe going weeks or they might have to wait till they go on vacation. Right. And so um, sometimes talking about how do you make weeknight sex a little bit more feasible? And frankly, weeknight sex is really more a euphemism for how do you make sex possible when you don't got a lot of time? All right. So we're we're not actually talking about weeknights per se. We're just. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like some people like you can use the skills we're talking about. Through more than Monday through Friday, right? Like, <laughs> it's, not, it's not like if it's a Saturday, you're like, we can't do that. Right. It's a Saturday. Right. Also, some people don't work a night, a typical nine to five. Right? This is they true. They don't work on the weekends. This so, is yeah, very true. It's more of a more of a way to suggest that there there are just times in your life where you just really don't feel like you have the time. Got it. It doesn't seem like you have the time. Listen, I have no children, but you do know that I recently got a Rottweiler puppy, and. I d- I'm not going to say it's like having a child, but for somebody, because I have no idea what it's like to actually have a child, but I would, I can only assume, which you know what mama says about assuming, but I'm just telling you, we ain't got a lot of time for loving and we are tired. I mean, I'm not going to lie, man. You look a little worse for wear. (laughs) 
I feel it's a little rough. <laughs> it's been, Doc, it's been brutal. It's been brutal. This puppy keeps me up at all hours. It's like he sleeps for a couple of hours, gets up. I've never had a Rottweiler before. It's it was something that just kind of happened. And my wife and I are trying to find this balance, right? And you know, so our uh, our sexy time has kind of been put to the side, and we keep joking. We're like, man. This is what our friends with kids must be have gone through when they were like little babies, like, your turn, your turn. And we're just so tired that normally our very voracious sexual life together. Is that the right word? Did I use the right word? You kind of gave me a right. I mean, I don't know. I'm not your partner, so I don't know if she would say that voracious is the right word, Okay, fine. Our normal sexual habits have seemed to um, not be as uh, uh, frequent as normal because of the puppy in time. So when we have had the puppy like will be asleep and we'll know that he's passed out for like an hour. It's like, all right, it's go time. You know, trying to get it in. Right. So I think I understand what you're going with with this topic is all I'm saying when it comes to a puppy. Am I anywhere near what you meant with this topic? Yeah, I think that there are all sorts of events in life right, that can really start to interfere with energy levels and time and just like, you know, for a lot of people, things like stress and fatigue, they impact sexual desire and sexual drive. Like sexual drive is just motivation, right? And different people have different base levels of sexual motivation already. And if you are starting to add on things like stress and fatigue, like that can really start to make a a drive go down quite a bit or sometimes it's just like ships passing in the night right like if you've got two people living in a home together and you got two people both worn out like they just might not be able to find ways to like create nice spaces of time i work a lot with parents of um like new children right like a baby yes you've you've, you've told us absolutely Mm -hmm. yeah and um you know that's a that's a lot of work that's a lot of work right i mean don't get me wrong a new puppy is a lot of work but you know you you can put a puppy in a cage, right? You cannot do that, right, with a child. They're, that's what they're, I've been told. That's That's been the rumor. Yeah. So <laughs> I think, yeah, it is not a rumor. It is accurate. Oh, well, well again, I don't have kids. Uh, I would not know, Doc. I just have dogs. Yeah. But the, um, you know, the, the kind of, uh, the difficulty of making, and again, I don't, I don't want to say it's just for people that have children, but that would definitely be an example of just a change in one's life pattern that would create, you know, just changes to kind of the way that people are used to having sex. And part of the issue is that with that is like, we don't really prepare people well for that. Like we kind of like make people feel like sex should always, okay, we got together and things are going well. And that's just going to be that way forever. Right. Like we don't really help people develop the skills as to how to adapt during some of these more stressful or just limited kind of time. And uh, that's what we want to talk about today. Okay. So then how do we, how do we set expectations here? Like how do we readjust what we knew was our sexual life to, you know, like you're saying here, get it in where you can, right? You said a very important word there, right? Which is expectations. I think one of the first things. Well, I'm very, very smart. Right. Or you're reading the notes that I wrote for you. How dare you? How dare you out me on this podcast? (laughs) Sorry, Jeremiah. (laughs) But you did. (laughs) Use a very important word. Thank you. Which is expectations, right? And I think that one of the 
first things is, yes, this idea that you're probably going to have to start to adjust your expectations. If your expectation, let's say just because it was what I was talking about, let's say you are having children, right? If your expectation is that your sexual life is going to look the same as it did before you have children, that's not a realistic expectation. I'm not saying you're a bad person for wanting that. It's just not realistic. And I'm not saying you still can't have a fun, full sexual life if you have kids. Like, please don't misunderstand. It's more that it's a shift in a dynamic. And any shift in a relational dynamic, a puppy, right? Like, any shift in a relational dynamic or a life dynamic is going to impact, you know, how how a couple is able to engage with each other. So this idea of expectation setting is really important, right? Because if you're walking around through the world and you're like, we just had a baby, but it's going to look like it looked, you know, when we first got together or the first six months of our relationship or whatever, like that's just not a realistic expectation. And that matters because we don't cope well when our expectations aren't being met. Right. Agreed. We don't, I mean, there's, Tons and tons of, we've talked about a lot. There's tons of research on that, right? Like we cope more effectively if we start to set more realistic expectations for our lives. Okay. Say the last thing again. I cut you off a little bit. Oh, no. So I would say that that would be one of the first things, right? Like your weeknight sex, right? The sex, the type, the way that sex looks on a, on a day-to-day basis, on a weeknight when you're stressed and you don't have a lot of time, it's not going to look the same as, say, vacation sex right vacation sex is the gold standard of sex right? <laughs> i love that we need a t-shirt for that for sure vacation right. sex is the gold standard of sex yes. if i had oh i would be such a wealthy woman if i had a nickel for every person that came in my office and was like why can't it look like it looks on vacation <laughs> i know you're capable of it right like people will often say that it's like but we go on vacation and it's so good and I often say, like, of course it's good. You literally have nothing else to do but to relax and to have sex. Amen. Right? Again, stress, fatigue, like, these are variables. They don't just impact sexual desire or drive. They can impact arousal. They can impact how long it might take someone to orgasm. Like, these are all things they literally phys- physiologically can impact how you experience touch. Things like that. And so, of course, vacation sex is great because... You got nothing else that you need to do. There's nothing else on your mind. You're not having to think about, oh, I got to pick up the kids or the laundries and the wash or whatever while you're trying to be sexual. You're literally more present during that type of uh, environment, in that type of environment, which makes everything easier and frankly, probably better in certain ways. Okay. So we're trying to get it in, right? We're trying to fit it in. What would you think of as a realistic expectation of like time? Like, I mean, are we talking five minutes? Are we talking 20? What are we talking? Well, and, I, and I mean, that depends on your life, right? Like it really does depend on your life and how stretched people are. And also, frankly, how resourced people are. And I see that because it's very important. It's not fair to assume that everyone, you know, it's easy for someone to come to my office and be like, well, just get a babysitter, right? Or just like, like, let's say with children in particular, like just get a babysitter you know, friends might tell people that and they just want to strangle. I'm like, just get a babysitter or have your kids go to your parents' house so you can have a day alone. Not everyone can afford that. And not everybody has family close by or maybe they're not in that type of, don't have a good relationship with family or they just can't rely on other people in that way. And so I, I do think that it's really case dependent, right? Like I have actually had some couples in which when, like, when they're telling me like we can barely get 15 minutes together a day, 
they literally mean like I have been like you know in my head I'm like ah well of course you have 15 minutes of course you can make 15 minutes and we start talking about things and it is it's like it's like playing Tetris like there's like there's just no space for a lot of stuff and so what I have to help people in those circumstances do maybe looks a little different right um and then some people right when they have more resources right if you can get a babysitter like I would always say like hey for us like if you can afford a babysitter get a babysitter if you've got family that can help you out right like get a family member to help you out like anything you can do to create more time together and some space right is going to be really helpful um but you know and again for some people it might not be kids for some people it might be jobs right like i have i can think of people i've seen where you've got two people that both work you know i've seen think of couples really high achieving couples I've worked with or maybe somebody's like a lawyer and the other person is like a medical doctor and they're both working 60 80 hour weeks right and so it really depends on the circumstances but I think there are all sorts of reasons in which people might you know have trouble finding even a few minutes together but usually if people where there's a will there's a way right like yeah. usually people can find five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, right? So when you ask what's a good amount of time, I'd say whatever you can realistically actually make happen, right? It, if I tell a couple of you need to find an hour, I set them up for failure if they can't actually find an hour. So I usually start with, can you find 10 minutes? Can you, you find 10 minutes? To I, mean, 10 minutes I mean, listen, you would think that t- finding 10 minutes would be an easy thing, but it's not necessarily an easy thing to do. I mean, people get busy. People are exhausted after work. People, you know, need to go to the gym and they want to stay healthy and they want, you know, all of these things, you know, kind of get thrown into, you know, the grinder there. So finding 10 minutes can actually be difficult. And again, you know, with children or with a puppy where you're following him around trying to make him not pee. Again, it's not about me. I'm just trying to use that as an example But the truth of the matter is it can be difficult. And when you're emotionally tired and when you're working all this time, I mean, now let me ask you this. So was is like mutual masturbation something we could throw into this mix here as well, Doc? Like, or are we just talking straight sex here? I want to be very clear because I think that's something could be shared without a lot of effort, right? We've talked about it in previous episodes. Yes. Go back and listen to our episode on mutual masturbation. I can see you're reading ahead again on your note sheet, Jeremiah. I was not. I was not. That was actually a natural thing. How dare you? You just keep outing me, and I didn't even do it this time. <laughs> well, one of the things that I was going to say. I don't even know where this is. I, I want, I'm going to make this very clear to our audience right now, folks. I did not read any notes on that. That was just me actually thinking I was having a very smart moment. And the dog- Just to be clear, everybody, Jeremiah has access to my notes, right? So all of... The things I might say about what to do here, Jeremiah can see. And so, you know, I'm wondering if he's maybe skipping ahead to just, you know, come up with a good idea right away. I came up with that on my own. On my own. This is what I have to deal with. This is what happens when you're dealing with a genius like the doc. You have one moment where you think you might be a little bit smart, but no, it was taken from me. It doesn't matter. Let's get back to what the point was that was clearly in your notes somewhere that I didn't see. Go on. Well, right. So you were starting. I'm. You know what, here? I'm sorry. You absolutely have the capacity to come up with good ideas on your own. I apologize. Wow. That was a rude thing. Wow. It was rude, and I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> anyway. 
Continue, please. In terms of, I think what you're asking is how do people start maybe adjusting, right? Like, so we've identified, sometimes this can be hard. It can be really hard to find times to connect. And you did add something, actually, that was not on my notes. It is very important. Huh. Right? You see that? You see that, is folks? That, you see? It wasn't on the notes. You, uh, you brought up something around, like, sometimes people also just are so tired and they maybe need a little space alone, right? So it, it's kind of a hard setup if someone's like, I can't even get 15 minutes with myself a day, let alone my partner. To be fair, sometimes also part of helping people find ways to be sexual is also helping them find some time for themselves because it's hard to like set a couple up in terms of like, we can't even like, I don't even have 15 minutes with myself a day. And like then to say, hey, well, with that 15 minutes, immediately walk into the bedroom and start making out with your partner, right? Like that feels a little zero to a hundred for a lot of people. A lot of people need like a little of their own time to just like get in a different headspace, right? To get in a, a sexual headspace. So often I'm working with couples to negotiate also not just finding time for each other, but time for themselves, because if you don't have that, it's really hard to show up for your partner. So that actually, Jeremiah, was a very important thing that you said. Thank you very much. It was. Thank you very much, Doc, for acknowledging my genius. Yeah, well, that's not what I said. Okay, you could have just stopped right there and let it sit. <laughs> okay. I couldn't have. I really <laughs> okay. I just can't. Um, anyways, but I think the, the next piece that you were getting into, it sounds like, is, okay, if these problems exist, what are some things that people can do, right, to start to make sex more feasible. And I think one of the first things that I often tell couples is that you do need to start to rethink what you think of as sex, right? I have said countless times in this podcast that to me, sex does not mean intercourse, right? Whether you're gay, straight, queer couple, it doesn't make a difference, right? It is not penetrative intercourse, right? Or whatever you might count as intercourse but can be a lot of different behaviors. When I talk about sex, well, I mean any kind of sexual behavior. Sex could be dry humping for five minutes on the couch, right? Like sex is about any type of sexual behavior that brings some pleasure, that brings some enjoyment. And so if people get really stuck in this narrative that they can only be sex, like they can only be sexual if they're gonna have intercourse, which frankly takes more time right? People, whether you're having anal or vaginal intercourse or, how, you know, it's going to take your body more time in either way, right? To warm up to that, like that's going to maybe be a barrier, right? So people tend to start taking an all or nothing approach. If they define sex as intercourse, then all of a sudden it's like, well, that's going to take a while. So I'm out, right? And, and even if I may say, you know, and we're talking, you know, as I like what you're talking about here, you know, about you know, it doesn't have to be intercourse per se. But the other thing I want to add in there is that this idea of connection, you know, even if it's not full intercourse, you can still have, you know, an emotional connection or a connection with your partner that is not, you know, so it doesn't have to be intercourse. Something like a mutual masturbation, something like you were saying, dry humping. It's really sometimes, I think, about connecting. You know what I mean? Connecting and showing up and connecting physically. That's right. right. Way. And sometimes um, if couples are struggling to be sexual and they maybe they haven't, like, frankly, sometimes some couples haven't been able to find time to be sexual in a long time. And maybe they haven't even been physical in like physically intimate ways. I might say, OK, like you don't even have 
to start with being sexual. You can start with doing things that feel more sensual, right? Sensual meaning, and that's a continuum, right? But sensual meaning like sitting on the couch together and cuddling and holding hands while you watch a 20-minute episode of some show that you like. It can be, you know, kind of rubbing each other's shoulders or leaning your head on each other, each other's shoulder. Because things that feel really abrupt, right? Like if you have a couple that have been so busy, let's say it's with kids or something, where they just haven't even been touching, right? And, and again, there's a lot of couples that have kids that are touching all the time. So I'm not saying this is everyone with children, but... If you've got a couple that hasn't even been touching and then all of a sudden there's an expectation that you're like, bam, now sexual, that again, it feels like zero to 100, not for everybody, but for a lot of people. And so if you're maybe a couple out there that hasn't really been engaging even in physical ways, they're just general physical ways, that's actually the better place to start, right? Is like, how do we just reconnect in some kind of physical way that feels feasible, that feels achievable? Like, hey, let's first be honest with each other and acknowledge we haven't been touching. Like, I met a couple that I said, when's the last time you touched in any kind of, like, romantic, affectionate, beyond just, like, a hug and a quick peck on the cheek when you say goodbye for the day or you come home? I'll have couples that will literally be like, I can't remember, right? Mm. And so, if, you ha- if you're one of, that's what I mean, like, it's so case-dependent. It depends where people are starting at. But if you are trying to jump into even, like, let's say making out or dry humping, but you haven't even held hands or snuggled for months i say start there yeah (laughs) yeah otherwise it's gonna feel very abrupt so would you then say and i'm sorry to interrupt you but we always say here at the university of pleasure communication is key would you say then hey start first with communicating hey we haven't talked for a little we haven't uh, touched each other for a little while we haven't been very sexual for a little while start there have a little communication about it yeah usually one partner now, this is not always, right? Sometimes both people are, you know, and you got to remember, I see, I talk to, I'm talking um, right now maybe more specifically about, like, when people come in and it's become a problem, right? Uh, but there are lots of people where they're not super distressed about this yet. When I see people, because it's a problem, usually one person is much more distressed about it than the other, right? Sure, like, sure that makes that's sense, why yeah. they're there. One person is feeling that lack of touch or that lack of maybe sexual engagement in a much more deep way than another person, right? Or the other partner. But I also just talked to, I've said before, like, people just talk to me a lot about sex, just generally. Well, it's like anything, Doc. It's like if you were a dentist, they'd talk about teeth. If they were a, a mechanic, they'd be like, I got a problem with my car. Like, <laughs> It's, it is. I'm telling you, it is. It is 100 true. My cousin is a dentist, and he's like, "Oh my god!" As soon as I tell people I'm a dentist, they're like, "What about this thing right here?" And they like, <laughs> "I mean, look, you picked a better choice, Doc. Okay? Because I mean, could you imagine being in a restaurant? I don't mind. I find it interesting when people talk to me about. Yeah, like you're totally in a restaurant, and people are like, "Well, uh, you're a sex therapist. Why don't let's talk about that instead of somebody going, like, oh, I got this thing on my tooth here. What do you think? Should I get it looked at? Like, blah.'" <laughs> yeah, that would be. Not great. Gnarly. Um, but, you know, there's also, so I guess my point is that sometimes it's one person that's feeling it a little bit more, right? Like, it's 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 very rare just in the way that relational dynamics work that both people at the exact same time are hit by a wand and they're like, oh, we need to talk about how we're not having sex. And they both look at each other and they like, yes, right. magically have that conversation, right? Like, usually it's up to whoever's maybe feeling it a little bit more or noticing that deficit a little bit more Mm -hmm. to say like i don't feel like we're making space for sexual touch in the way that i want right and um so 
I think, yes, it's important to start talking about it. But I want to be clear that if you're waiting for your partner to talk about it, if you're waiting for them to bring it up, they may or may not be as distressed about it as you. But if you're feeling distressed about it, you should bring it up because they might actually be feeling just as distressed as you, but you have no way to know. And, And I say that because often that's the stalemates that people find themselves in is you have two people that actually are like kind of like, ah, I wish our sex life looked different, but nobody's saying anything and they're waiting for the other person to bring it up. All right. So, again, as we always say, communication is key. And as I'm looking here at my notes that you wrote for me, (laughs) should we recap? (laughs) So we should recap a little bit. Communication, right? Have a little bit of a discussion as to, you know, where you guys are already at right now, what each partner is feeling. Then set some, you know, realistic expectations. Yeah. And then starting to think about what are ways to be sexual, right? Like, so let's say someone, they're doing okay. Let's say a couple's actually doing okay on just general affectionate touch, right? They're not, they have been, but it's more like we just can't get intercourse in, right? Or whatever that might be. Then it's starting to shift more into, okay, can you fit in making out? Can you fit in some oral? Can you fit in a hand job or fingering or whatever people's genitals are? It doesn't really matter, right? Like, can you fit in something that is sexual and fun, but much more quick? The other thing you asked earlier about time, Jeremiah, and I, and I think when it comes to being sexual, we often have a really skewed sense of time right like uh like people be like uh i want to be sexual but it's just gonna take too much time and a lot of sexual interactions really are only 15 to 20 minutes or 10 to 15 minutes right for a lot of people some people might be sexual for much longer but there's lots of people that might be sexual for about 15 minutes but in their mind it feels like this much bigger sort of thing that they're taking on and often what i'll ask people is how long a day do you spend on instagram (laughs) how much time do you spend on facebook right do you think you spend more than 15 minutes? That's not everybody, right? But do you think you spend more than 15, 20 minutes a day between Instagram, Candy Crush, whatever your uh, phone vices are, right? It's really not that much time. And part of this issue is prior prioritizing touch, right? Prioritizing touch in the relationship. And again, I don't want to say that it needs to be everyone's priority, right? But if you're somebody that wants to be engaging sexually and you have a partner that also wants to be engaging sexually, when you're stressed and when you're distracted and when you're fatigued, you're going to have to make much more of a conscious effort to make it a priority, right? And one of the things that gets in the way of that when people are stressed out is this idea that it's going to take too much time. In reality, if you really pause and you really stop and you think about it, like, can you make 15 minutes? Do you spend 15 minutes on something else? And more often than not, people will be like, yeah, I totally spend 15 minutes on Instagram easy. I'll blow 15 minutes and not even think about it. And not even and not even realize the time has passed. Right, totally. because it's really not that much time to make 15 minutes for most people, right? To make yeah. 15 minutes for something is not that big a deal. And if you can start actually to even just like talk to yourself about that and be like, it's not that much time, right? We tend to exaggerate and catastrophize things when we're feeling stressed right we're stressed we tend to be like oh my god that would be such a big deal right even if we want it right even if we want to do the thing we might still do that because we're overwhelmed right but if you can kind of pause for a second and go oh 
I mean, I literally spent 25 minutes playing Candy Crush earlier. Sure. <laughs> like, um, it can make it a little bit easier to start to like maybe dial down people's like stress level or anxiety or like, uh, what's the word that I'm looking at? Like sense of like that sex is that being sexual is like a chore or something or one more thing you have to do. Um, I hope that I hope that's making sense for your mind. It a hundred percent makes sense. I think we've recapped it really well, Doc. And it's about time we moved on to part two. What do you okay. think? Sure. Let's move on. Oh, wait. Can I say one thing about weeknight sex? Yes. It's very important. I think you can. Okay. So this comes up a ton. And I do think it's incredibly important. A lot of times people don't start having these more adapted sexual behaviors, right? Like they assume that their partner would only be interested in being sexual if they if it's intercourse, right? Like people are like, ah, well, you know, I would totally be fine with just making out or like engaging in oral or just like a hand job or whatever, dry humping or mutual masturbation, right? P.S. We talked about mutual masturbation. You asked your mind. It is a great approach. And we talked about it in episode five. Yes, we did. Listen to episode five. Episode five, right? But a lot of times people assume, they assume that that wouldn't be enough for their partner. And overwhelmingly, if I'm in a session with someone and I look at the partner and I said, would you rather have oral sex or no sexual activity at all? They would go, uh, oral. <laughs> would you rather make out or engage in a, for five minutes than not at all? People would say five minutes. Almost. I actually don't, I can't think of a case where someone said, no, I'm sure somebody would. Right. But more often than not, partners would absolutely rather have some than none. And I think it's super, super important because it's kind of a myth that a lot of people carry around with them. Anyway. There you go. And you're getting it from the doc. She hears this stuff all the time. Trust in the doc. That's what I always say. Even if we're like out to dinner and she's like, you should eat this. I'm like, I trust the doc because she's a doc. And when we come back, she just rolled her eyes at me so hard. She was like, oh, God. No, I was just like, I don't. That people should just like if you're a doctor, then you should just believe everything I say. <laughs> well, dangerous. That's what I believe, Doc. Because I'm like, she's so much more educated than me. I don't know. She's so much no, smarter. It's a dangerous thing. Question, question things, <laughs> even if someone. She froze. So I'm just gonna say I question nothing she says. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Doc. You're totally frozen though, and I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a snapshot of this. I think because it's hilarious. Oh, that's definitely saved for all time. <laughs> I'm sorry, it just can't be helped. I mean, we've been having so many technical difficulties today. You sound like you're a million miles away, and now you're frozen. And we are back, folks. And we fixed some of the technical difficulties we've been having today, but we got the doc back. And we're ready to jam. Okay. I like this. This is going to be fun. And I think I'm going to want you to read it, Doc. We're going to switch it up again. Give it to us. Come on. You can do it. All right. I'll do it. Different strokes for different folks. Why what was working for your last partner might not be working for your current one. Boom. There it is. I like... Okay, so... I think we've talked about this in other episodes. There's no roadmap, right? Everybody's different. And just because somebody that you, I mean, you might have been 
amazing at cuddling this with this one person because you had it down with their situation and how they were built and what they liked doesn't mean it works with your new partner. And you got to be willing to adapt and learn and grow. Doesn't mean it's the same thing. Am I on the right track here, Doc? Yeah, episode done. We're done. 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 <laughs> Pack it in. We're done. Thank Pack you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Goodbye. Should we say more about it, though? Yes. Maybe? You know that I always like to say more about things. I know you do, and I'm just going to let you run wild. <laughs> no, I think, like, I bring this up because it really, some people are really great at this, right? Like, I, I honestly say this all the time. Like, there's lots of stuff that I talk about, but there are probably people out there being like, I don't know what this lady's talking about. This is fine for me, right? Like, and, and I hope so, right? Like, I hope that this is easy uh, for some, for a lot of people. But some people really struggle uh, with the idea that new partners might need new or different things. And I say that because it's a common conflict that comes up. Um, uh, that's not just couples I see. It might be individuals. Honestly, it comes up a lot with individuals I see where they're coming in and they're talking about their partner sort of maybe not doing things in a way that they really like and they're struggling to talk to them about it. And I'm like, well, what's going on? And they're like, well... I keep telling them that I don't really like it this way. And then they keep telling me that their part, their, their ex-partner used to like it this way. And it's like, they're really struggling to get that. That's not me. Oh, right? that, wait, wait, that, that happens. Like people are like, Oh, yeah, my ex-partner really like this. That's, that kind of shocks me a little bit. I mean, that doesn't, I'm not saying it's every single day in my office, but it's a common thing that people might come in talking about. Right. Or sometimes it's, and frankly, it's, it's usually very innocent, right? Like a partner might be like, well, this is how I know how to do this thing. And it worked here, right? So I don't get why it's not working here, right? As humans, we we really tend to struggle with making things black and white, right? Yeah. Like we struggle with the idea of abstraction, right? Abstraction meaning that different circumstances, right, are abstract and they might call for different or nuanced sort of things. We we do that not because we're assholes. We do that because it's simply... <laughs> well, some of us are assholes. Well, some, maybe. But some of us can be assholes at times. But, right, like, we do that because it's simply less work for our brains, right? Like, if we have a, like, oh, if this, then that mentality, it's a really simple thing for our brains. Our brains are meant to be the most efficient machines possible, right? It's much more cognitive work to be, like, wait, I'm in a new scenario. This new scenario maybe needs new things or nuanced things, right? It's way easier to be like, I did it this way this time. Now do it again this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, right. It's just simpler. And again, so I don't want to like villainize that in people. It's just, it's just an easier way for the mind to work. And some people are much better at adaptation in that way. And some people really struggle. They really struggle with it. And a lot of times it has to do with just, again, as always, a lack of sexual communication, right? Somebody's doing something in a way that somebody doesn't like and someone's not really communicating with their partner about, like, I don't really like the way you do this. So the partner's just being like, well, everyone else I've been with has liked it this way, so I'm just going to keep doing it this way, right? Because they have no other point of reference. Sure, Their sure. only point of reference are, you know, is maybe a previous partner. Now, would, uh, would um, you say to embrace the difference? Because, I mean, in my, my head, and again, I'm not saying that I'm everybody, but... Uh, I I would look at it as like, you know, clearly different strokes for different folks like we're talking about, but that 
embracing the exciting nature of learning new things with a new partner, trying new things. Like, that's an adventure. That's a cool adventure. Like, it's, you know, it might have worked with this other partner, but that doesn't mean it's the be-all, end-all. Why don't you give it a try this way? Because it really, like, it's like climbing that mountain of like, yes, I've arrived. I, I've now adapted and learned with a new partner. That's a cool thing. Yeah, I think it's awesome, right? I think that's awesome. But unfortunately, some people don't feel that way. And, and again, to be fair, it's probably because we've created a lot of cultural insecurity about sex, right? We've created a lot of insecurity for people about not being good enough at sex, right? And so people tend to be a little bit more defensive. People tend to be a little, like, kind of, you know, a little more sensitive if they're critiqued in a certain way or told, like, to tell somebody, like, I don't really like the way that you're doing this, right? For some people can be like, oh, sure, no problem. I'll shift this way, right? But for a lot of other people, it might feel really hurtful and really difficult. Like, they've really messed something up. And so a lot of times, you know, people aren't communicating about this, you know, maybe from the end of the person that's maybe not really enjoying something that's going on that their partner's doing. A lot of times the reason they're not communicating it is that they, they feel like it would be rude or it would be mean, or it would hurt their partner's feelings. And to be fair, there's some truth. Sometimes a partner could totally take it, and frankly would usually rather know. But they're not wrong that some people's feelings might be hurt if they tell them, I don't like the way that you do this, right? And there are, by the way, much, there are very kind ways you could do that, and then there are not kind ways. I'm talking about doing it compassionately and thoughtfully and kind and saying, often it's better to tell someone what you want versus with them what you don't. Like, rather than saying, don't do it that way, saying, do it this way. Yep, totally right. agree. It's, just the way you bring it up. Subtle, it's a subtle difference, but one thing feels very critical and the other just feels like direction. Oh, great. Right? And tone, all those things can be very important. Um, but I, I think that often sometimes for people that maybe are struggling to adapt, it's, it's sometimes because they're not getting enough information from their partner because their partner's not speaking up. Or sometimes maybe their partner is speaking up, but it's triggering a lot of defensiveness. And it's making them a little bit more rigid, right? But either way, regardless of how it's starting, it, it tends not to go well and tends to create distress, right? If, if people are kind of always applying a roadmap from a previous partner to their current partner. And I should also say, sometimes maybe it's not a previous partner. Sometimes maybe it's just sexual media, like porn, right? Like maybe it's like a really specific type of porn they've always watched. Like maybe, I don't know, maybe somebody really enjoys watching like really hard penetrative sex right and so they're and that's kind of really what they've exposed themselves to so again point of reference if they haven't had a lot of sexual partners or no sexual partners they might go oh, okay this person is going to really like this thing because this is my only point of reference right which is why it's so important to communicate with people and ask people what they want and what they like because otherwise you can't know what you haven't learned so you're just going to do what you know and if you don't get any other data otherwise that's just kind of the track that you're going to stay on. There you go. And 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 then be flexible, right? Just be flexible in learning. You know, this is a different person. Don't be so rigid about the things that you, you know, you used to know to what you know now. Would that be, uh, would I be saying anything correctly here? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to be flexible. And I think you have to practice having difficult conversations about sex. When I say difficult conversations, conversations in which somebody might say, I don't totally love the way that you do this thing right because if someone here's the thing a lot of the advice i give people is beautiful in theory but in practice is much more complicated right of course like, it's I'm hard telling, 
right? I'm telling people, like, just be kind and compassionate and be directive to your partner and tell them you want them to do it this way, right? But sometimes you might do exactly what I'm suggesting and your partner's still not getting it, right? So sometimes you still might have to come in and say, okay, I actually really don't enjoy the way that you do. Like, you have to have a harder conversation. And again, part of it is trying to remember that, like, especially that most people can work through that. Like that's, especially if you're an established couple, that's not going to be the thing that blows your house down, right? Like you can give that feedback and people can move through difficult emotions. Sometimes there is no way, there is no over, under, or around. There is only through. Sometimes you have to move through those difficult feelings, through those difficult emotions in order to get out on the other side. And especially if people have been avoiding this as a topic for a really long time, right? then it's going to be an issue. But I also would say as a partner, like, cause that's both ends. Like if you're a person that doesn't love what's happening and you think that maybe your partner's kind of assuming a lot of stuff about you based on their previous experience and kind of gotten that gist, you need to be talking about what you want. Right. But if also as a partner, trying not to assume that everything your past partner loved, that your current partner would love asking questions, asking, how do you like this? Is this the way you like it? Do you like a different way? being more communicative and be prepared that sometimes people don't have answers for that. Sometimes that actually can be asking someone like, do you like this? Or what do you like? Really open-ended can be a very anxiety provoking question for some people because maybe they don't have a lot of experience or maybe they just don't have a lot of experience talking about what they want and what they like. And it'll take a little bit of time. It'll take some time. And if you're patient and you listen and you're open that, uh, it shouldn't be as, uh, you know, but even more than that, I'm going to stop that thought. You get, you have these horrible, difficult conversations, but you come out on the other side, man, you could be stronger, right, Doc? Wouldn't you say that? The intimacy yeah, I mean, that you build is, right there, it's like, that's a big deal. We talk is, about that. Yeah, this stuff is relationally building for people, right? Like, this is what intimacy is. Like, intimacy isn't, everything's going great all the time and there are never any problems and we just move through life smoothly. That's fun and that's great, but that's, it's moving through these things that often help people feel stronger, help them feel more connected. It builds trust. It builds security, right? Security is built on when things go wrong and people get through it. That's yes. what security yes. is built. It's not built on a perfect house that's just, you know, the beautiful siding on the inside, but it's got no structure on the inside, right? What builds that structure on the inside is things like conflict, is things like having difficult emotions and getting through difficult feelings with one another. For instance, a lot of times I talk to people and I say, like, why why haven't you been talking to your partner about this? And they're like, well, it seems mean or I I, I don't I, I feel like it's impolite or I feel like it's rude. And I'm like, it, a lot of people would say, no, it is way more rude to, to, to not tell your partner what's going on. Because once they find out that you really haven't been enjoying and, and I'm not going to lie, I've had some clients come in where it's been years of something going on. Ooh. Of something going on that they didn't enjoy what then happens is you set your partner up to feel much more foolish much more inadequate than a simple you know i don't really love it this way right could ever cause for someone to feel lied to i've had couples come in where someone has lied about orgasming for years right and again i'm not trying to villainize anyone because no of course not no stuff. no never villainize. it is very hard stuff but you really set each other up, regardless of what direction you're coming at from this. If 
if you don't sort of always work to be the agent of your own pleasure and then also asking other people what they want and what they like. And it's okay if you're not good at that right away. We've talked about it before. Of course you're not good at it. You haven't practiced, right? Practice, practice, practice. practice. You have to practice to get better at a skill. And this is a skill. And again, there might be lots of listeners out there that have got this. They're like, I don't need what she's talking about right now. Me and my partner do this really well. And if, and if I may, well done. I'm glad that that's an easy skill for you. But then there are so many other people that they don't have this skill and they feel really stressed out about this. And I think part of it is also a belief that they should just automatically be good at talking about these things or giving this feedback. Or in this case, for this this um, topic, I should just automatically know what my new partner wants. And I would say, no. Nope. What are you? I would be like, what are you, a wizard? Yeah, are you clairvoyant? <laughs> yeah, like, how, how should you know that? Like, unless you're some kind of wizard, I have no idea why that should be something you would automatically know. So the responsibility is on you as a, as a partner to ask, and then also on you to tell the other person what you're looking for and what you want. You, you bear both responsibilities. And again, trying not to assume that just because move, you're like hot sequence of moves with your past partner <laughs> is going to be the, like, you know, your right, left, right, hit the red button. <laughs> it may have worked with your last partner, but maybe your new partner needs red button, red button, red button, left, right, left, right? Like everybody is different. And I just want to, I just want to say everybody is different and that's brilliant. But were you trying to do a Contra Nintendo code reference here? Is that what this was? <laughs> I was trying to fake knowing. <laughs> I'm like... Because I do not play video games. I'm sorry. But you know. you actually knew... You were like... You were literally thinking the up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B, A, B, A, select, start, right? The Contra right. code. Yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I couldn't remember it all. I was so, like... Either she knows what this is or she's just I don't no, know. I knew the reference, I just didn't remember the actual code. That's amazing. I would have got, got so much nerd cred if I would have got that Oh, code. if you had just pulled that out right now, I mean, uh, I guess by the honest, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, because she was saying important things, but I just had to step in. I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, she's pulling a Nintendo reference. <laughs> this is amazing. But it's a really good reference because if you use the Contra code on, say, Super Mario Brothers 3, it won't work. So... <laughs> The doc is yet again showing you her levels of genius. Ladies and gentlemen, this just shows you the doc's brilliance. (laughs) Well, I got to tell you, I think I learned a lot today. You learned a lot today. Well, we all learned. We love learning here at the University of Pleasure, and I think it's great. I mean, come on. That's why we're called a university, right? And uh, not to mention we learned a lot through technical difficulties and trying to do a podcast during the coronavirus pandemic when you are a million miles away and then technical problems. So thank you all, folks, for putting up with our technical issues and uh, we'll talk to you again next Monday. This episode of the University of Pleasure was produced, directed, and edited by me, Jeremiah James. It was written by Dr. Tara Jansen and me, Jeremiah James. The University of Pleasure theme music 
was written by the incomparable Robert Felstein. And please remember, we want to be as inclusive as possible of the diverse experiences of others here at the University of Pleasure. So please email us your suggestions for topics that might be suited to you directly, questions, feedback, or just really great sex stories at contact at universityofpleasure.com. Mm -hmm.